0: Today's reading is from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. My name is Fred. I'm part of the team here, and uh, you've been welcomed by Tanner, so I want to just reiterate that if you're a visitor with us this morning welcome um before we pray and look at the text um i'm not supposed to be here right now uh jake was scheduled to preach for us uh if you don't know jake you're missing out jake uh is part of the christ city team and uh he is planning a church uh next year in east van and uh, jake should be preaching but um His wife, Maisie, uh, just toward the end of last week, became very ill. Uh, She's in ICU right now. And I would ask you to please remember uh, Jake and Maisie and their boys in your prayers, please. Um, We're just praying for a complete recovery for her. Um, Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're weak. We have so many needs. We pray that you would reach out your healing hand and touch Maisie, restore her health completely, raise her up, and uh, look after Jake and their boys right now. Be close to them. Give them comfort. Give them peace. And uh, bring them back together as a family, Lord. And Lord, as as you come to minister to us this morning, help us to to remember that we are your family. We are your children adopted by faith in Christ. And so as a loving father, draw near to us and, and speak a word to our hearts. Make us receptive, humble, listening, responsive. And so that we could live in a way that would honor and glorify our Father who is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, um, if you look at the top, if you've got your Bibles open or your apps open, um, if you look at the top of Psalm 100, you'll notice just before the text itself, there is a little sentence there. It's called a superscription. Um, And here's what it says. It says, a psalm for giving thanks. A psalm for giving thanks. Now, when I was a kid, um, my parents would would drill it into me to be thankful, to say thanks. Whenever somebody did something nice for me, I was to, to acknowledge that and, and be very clear thank you very much. And I remember a couple of times when I didn't, my father would turn me around and walk me back to the salesperson or, or the person that had just done something for me and make me look them in the eye and say, thank you. Um, thanks is important. Giving thanks is important. In fact, uh, in recent years, there's been various Psychologists, popular psychologists, writing on the the benefits of giving thanks, the sort of emotional and psychological benefits of giving thanks. Well, this morning, as we look at Psalm one, let me just say that that's not what Psalm one is, or Psalm one hundred. Sorry, that's not what Psalm one hundred is about. It's not about being polite and well mannered. It's not about the the psychological, emotional benefits of being thankful. That's not what Psalm 100 is about. Rather, as we look at Psalm 100 together this morning, what I want us to to realize is that giving thanks is, is not a small thing. Giving thanks is important. Giving thanks, in fact, many of us don't think about it this way, but giving thanks is deeply theological. Giving thanks, or being a thankful person, um, says a lot about what we believe about God. It says a lot about what we believe about ourselves. And, and it says a lot about what we think of the world around us. Let me, let me explain Paul um, in the book of Romans makes a connection for us between unbelief and a lack of thankfulness. In Romans 1 verses 20 and 21, he says this. God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, he means unbelievers, people that are suppressing the truth about God in unrighteousness, he says, so they are without excuse. Here's why. Verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So here's what Paul is saying Paul is saying that everybody, everywhere, knows God. He's saying that everybody knows God because God has made himself known to everyone. Through the creation, the things that have been made, the creation bears witness to God, namely his eternal attributes, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature. So everybody everywhere knows God, Paul is saying, but... We refuse to honor him as God, and we refuse to honor him as God by refusing to give him thanks. That's the nature of unbelief. And Paul says that that lack of thankfulness to God is evidence against us, and that is why we have no excuse No one will say on the day of judgment, I didn't know there wasn't enough evidence. There is evidence everywhere for everyone always. And one of the ways that we should respond to that evidence, that clear witness of God's power and presence is by being deeply thankful. Now, in stark contrast... To Romans 1, Psalm 100 this morning calls us to honor God as God. Calls us to honor God as God by giving him thanks and by giving him praise because that is what he is worthy of. He is worthy. He alone is worthy of all of our thanksgiving and our praise. Now, just to be clear, um, Psalm 100 isn't telling us to give God thanks and praise because he has a fragile ego. God isn't saying, oh, will they praise me today? I'm, I'm just so unsure of myself. He's not looking for us to, to stroke him. He doesn't need our praise and thanksgiving. Rather, Psalm 100 is calling us to, to joyfully thank and praise God because that's an expression of our humanity. That's what it means to be a human being. That should be as natural to us as breathing because we bear the image of God and praising Him and thanking Him is just simply echoing the image of His glory because that's who we are. That's what we're made for. The Bible teaches very clearly that everyone without exception, everyone is a worshipper and Psalm 100 wants us to line our lives up with ultimate reality. So with that in mind, let's look at the text. Psalm 100, it's in two parts. And each part has two stanzas, and we'll look at each stanza as we go. The first stanza in verses 1 and 2, here's what it says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now the psalm begins by issuing a call. It's it's a summons to, to worship and it's it's not a call or a summons that we can neglect and ignore and dismiss notice that these these aren't suggestions these aren't recommendations or options rather these are commandments there are 3 of them make a joyful or make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now there are four things I think that we we can look at from these two verses. First of all, let me run through them with you. First of all, our worship must be properly oriented. It must be properly directed. Notice in these verses, everything is directed to the Lord. Make a joyful noise, to the Lord serve the Lord. Come into His presence. As I said a moment ago, we're all worshipers. Without exception, every one of us, we're created to worship. We need to direct our worship to the One who made us in His image. I love what David Foster Wallace says. He says, In the day-to-day trenches of life, there is no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. Now, unfortunately, the Bible also teaches that since the fall, since the rebellion of our first parents, we've made a mess of things. We haven't responded to God. We haven't directed our worship to the Lord. We have directed our worship elsewhere. We have missed Directed our worship Romans one twenty five says it very clearly, We have exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. So what Psalm one hundred is calling us to do is to redirect our worship this morning to the Lord. He is the proper object of our worship. And here, when we when we read the Lord, it's, it's not a, a theological concept or merely a, a sort of a, a theological abstraction. It's not a vague spiritual entity of some kind. The psalmist is talking about the covenant Lord. Now, if you look in your Bibles, that that four-letter word there, L-O-R-D, you'll notice it's all in capitals. And when you read that word, Lord, all in capitals in the Old Testament, the translators want us to know that the word being translated there is actually the covenant name of God. Theologians call it the Tetragrammaton. You can talk about that over lunch. We learned about the Tetragrammaton today. Yod, He, Vav, He. The four letters that make up the covenant name of God which we translate as Yahweh. That is who we are talking about. It's not a vague notion. Some sort of you know, mystical spirituality. It's not some, some theological abstraction in our minds. It is the God who is there. Now we'll look at more of this in a few minutes, but let me just remind you, we need to, to worship, our worship needs to be properly oriented towards the Lord. Second thing we can learn from these verses, it's obvious in reading those first two verses, our worship must be joyful. Joyless worship is not true worship. It's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as joyless worship. Make a joyful noise. That's not for the tone deaf among us. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. We are coming to his presence with singing. Here's what this means for us. We can't fake it. You know, it isn't fake it till you make it. We can't fake true worship. We we should never merely go through the motions. Our worship should not be tepid, timid, half-hearted, unengaged, disinterested, or distracted. Our worship should be joyfully, exuberantly focused on the Lord. This is serious business. This is joy in the Bible is very serious. God takes our joy very seriously. I've just repeated that three times because it's important for us to remember. You might remember or maybe you don't, but in Matthew fifteen, Jesus says something that that we need to we need to see the importance of he. He warns those who honor God merely with their lips. They say all the right things, he says. They honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. Our our worship should not be merely honoring God, the Lord God, with our lips. God wants lips and lives and hearts and affections. He wants all of us to be joyfully worshiping. You want to up the ante a little bit? Look at Deuteronomy 28. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight, forty-five to 47, Moses warned the Israelites. This is scary. All these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you till you are destroyed. This is encouraging. Why? He tells us because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. Did I mention that our joy is serious? Our our worship must be joyful. Number three, our worship should be inviting. Look again at verse one. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. True worship isn't limited to our tribe, our clan, our race, our class, our nation, our ethnicity, our language. All people everywhere are called to know and to worship, gladly worship this Lord and this God. He reigns over all things. That's what Psalm 97.1 says. The Lord reigns, therefore, let the earth rejoice. See, back when God came to Abram, when he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans, probably can't find that on a map anymore, God came to Abram, He called them out of Ur. He called them them into what would become the promised land. Changed his name to Abraham. And God promised Abraham that through his son, through his son, he would bless, God would bless all the nations of the earth. God has never been merely about just blessing a, a tribe or a race or a language or a nation god is about is about blessing all people everywhere and one of the greatest blessings of god that we can enjoy is to have our hearts stirred mightily by the spirit of god to worship him with thankful joy when i became a christian at 27 i mean what we've just done here this morning would have freaked me right out a bunch of Adults getting together in a room, singing. Like, no, never, ever. It just, it, 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 it would have been weird. It, I would never have done it. You couldn't have dragged me with a team of horses. And then I became a Christian, and I found myself strangely, joyfully, joining together with all these other people in this room, singing songs. Very strange, but very amazing. That God would do work in my heart to set me free from this self-focused myopia, to see who He really is, and to, to, to give me the grace to respond to Him with joy and thanksgiving. It's an amazing gift. It's a gift, I think, that we have to cultivate. I recognize that what the psalmist calls us to, probably uh, some, maybe many, maybe most of us are not there this morning. But when we notice that gap between what we're called to and, and what we're able to, that's an opportunity to pray That's an opportunity to invite God by his mercy and grace to affect our hearts, to move our affections toward him so that our worship is joyful, thankful worship. Where was I? God, our our worship needs to be inviting because God wants all people everywhere from every tribe and tongue and nation to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We need to be, to be inviting and open and welcoming. Not because it's a, a technique. it's Because it's a basic posture of the gospel. Fourthly, our worship must be all-encompassing. The picture we get here when we read verses 1 and 2. The picture we get here is that worship involves all that we are. It, it involves our entire being. Our worship is nothing less than giving ourselves entirely and completely to the Lord. It's not, our worship isn't limited to 30 minutes on Sunday morning when we sing. That, that is musical worship. That is corporate worship. But what the psalmist is saying is that worship encompasses everything. Look at verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, we, get, we don't serve him because he needs anything from us. But we, we serve him because he is the Lord of everything. And we want to live in a way that shows that he is preeminent over all. All things, Romans eleven thirty six says, all things are from him and through him and to him. And so as we go out into the world with our, our, our time and our talents and our, our treasures and our, our minds and our bodies, and all that we are is an opportunity to connect to the reality of all that he is and to make him look good, to honor him with our lives. Every moment of every day is an opportunity to posture ourselves thankfully and worshipfully toward him. That's what Paul's getting at in Romans 12.1 when he says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship all of life is worship everything we are our worship is all encompassing let's look at the second stanza in verse 3 in verse 3 it says know that the Lord he is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people and the sheep of his pasture Now if if verses 1 and 2 concerned the what and the how verse 3 gives us the why Why should we make a joyful noise to the Lord Why should we serve the Lord with gladness why should we come into his presence with singing Well, look at verse 3. You see, because those are reasonable responses. That is a, a sensible response to people who know that the Lord, he is God. See, we're called to respond to him in this way. Why? Because he is God. The Lord is God. We understand that he made us and we are his. We are the people of his pasture. That's the only proper response. I love the fact, this is important, and you'll notice this everywhere. I love the fact that the Bible does not merely issue commands and tell us to obey. You know, sometimes when parents are tired, they will say, Go to bed. But why go to bed? Get into your room and go to bed. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) You Never happens in our house. Um, You know, sometimes just parents are like, I'm tired. I don't talk to you anymore. God doesn't do that with us. God does not merely issue commands and demand by his authority, and he has all authority. He doesn't simply issue commands and demand that you obey them. God reasons with us. See, God is a better father than I will ever be. Most of the time, I reason. Sometimes I just demand, get to bed. But God reasons with his children. The Bible reasons with us. It explains for us the logic of obedience, and it exposes... The foolishness of disobedience. And that the center of all of that is this knowledge that the Lord, he is God. Yahweh is the one true and living God. There are no others. He is the creator and the sustainer of heaven and earth. All things are from him and through him and to him. He is the Lord of history who works all things out according to the counsel of his will. He is the Lord who redeemed Israel out of their slavery in Egypt and established a covenant with them at Mount Sinai and then shepherded them into the promised land. See, He made Israel. We are who we are. You are who you are this morning. Why? Because of him, because of the Lord. You're not a self made person, you're a God made person. That's what Psalm one hundred is teaching us. We're dependent upon Him for, for everything. The book the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is is all about God seeking and saving a people. A people who were, who were lost and, and, and finding them and bringing them in and making them His people, giving them His identity. Renewing them by His Spirit. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. We don't belong to us. We belong to Him. He provides for us. He protects us. He guides us. He cares for us. And if this was true of Israel, how much How much greater is this for us? In John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And how does he show his commitment to the sheep? How does he show his care for his sheep? He lays his life down. He lays his life down for his sheep. He lays his life down for his sheep people in order to bring us into the the pasture of his presence by the holy spirit in titus 2 verses 13 and 14 paul says our great god and savior jesus christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession you belong to God. If your hope is in Christ this morning, you belong to Him. Rest in that. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. Now these are all amazing, wonderful reasons for us to worship the Lord with joy and gladness and singing, third stanza verse four verse four calls us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise to give thanks to him and bless his name see we don't we're not thankful for the psychological benefits of it we 're not Thankful merely because it's polite and well-mannered. We're thankful because it is a proper response to the Lord for all that he is and all that he has done for us. He's given us life and breath. That breath you just drew, he gave it to you. He's given you everything. Your friends, your family, your health, your clothing, your possessions. There's nothing that you have that he hasn't given to you. The Bible says that in him we live and we move and we have our entire being. And through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness. The forgiveness of all your sins you have reconciliation you are you are welcomed now by a loving father into his very presence much more than the Israelites ever knew or could have dreamed of we have forgiveness we have reconciliation we have redemption but the most precious to me is adoption adoption Through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we are the children of God. That's the only person that has any right to address God as Father. The person that has come into his family through adoption by faith in Jesus Christ. We've been saved. We have been reconciled. We have been redeemed. We have been forgiven by the sheer grace of God alone. How thankful should we be? This isn't horizontal thankfulness like you say to the, the, the Starbucks barista when they add that little extra in your drink, you know? See, I always order a grande and a venti cup because they always give you a little more. Thank you. It's not that kind of thanks. It's good to be thankful. But this is, this is not human thankfulness, horizontal thankfulness. This is vertical thankfulness. The Lord is the one before whom and to whom we should be continually thankful. Do you see how natural? If if you're getting the message of Psalm uh, 100, this should just be the most natural thing about us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, Thanks be to God. What for? For his indescribable gift. For his indescribable gift. A lack of thankfulness. My friends. I think is blasphemy. The lack of thankfulness. In our lives. Toward God. Is a refusal on our part. To honor God as God. And so. I, I get it. This isn't easy. I'm not an overly thankful person. But I'm a whole lot more thankful than I used to be. And I think, I hope, by the grace of God, and you can ask my wife, I'm pointed in the right direction. I'm growing in thankfulness. We have None of us have arrived yet. Psalm 100 is an ideal we're aiming at. And by the grace of God, we will grow into this reality. Don't despair. Ask, seek, knock, appeal to God to to affect your heart, to know this joy, to be a thankful person who's aware, continually aware of all that you have from your loving Father in heaven. Last stanza, verse 5. I love it. He reasons with us again. He doesn't just tell us to be thankful. He gives us reasons to be thankful. Look at verse 5. For, because the Lord is good. The older I get, the longer I follow Jesus, the more precious that simple statement is. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Let that hit you this morning. The Lord of your life your shepherd, the la- who laid down his life for you. What, I mean, if that isn't enough to show you his goodness. But, but he didn't stop there. He, God who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with, with him, with Jesus, graciously give us all things? God is so good. His steadfast love. His covenant love, His never-ending, always-and-forever love, His steadfast love endures forever. And His faithfulness to us, His faithfulness is to all generations. It'll never run out. There's no expiry date, you know, like that milk that you left in the back of your fridge and you look it out and, oh, that's from three weeks ago. There is no expiry date to God's steadfast love and faithfulness, his hesed the v'emmet. There is no limit. There is no end. It's always and forever, never quitting, never stopping. God is more committed to his promises and his people than we can ever begin to dream or imagine. The Lord is good. He can be trusted should rest our hearts in this great truth. He works everything for our good. Even right now for Jake and Maisie and their kids. They might not be able to see it right now, but somehow some way there'll be there is good being woven into their lives right now. you are loved. If your hope is in Christ, you are loved. If your hope isn't in Christ, let me encourage you. I hope, I hope Psalm 100, it's, it's not a wall. I hope it's a door. I, I pray that Psalm 100 this morning would be a door that says across it, welcome. Welcome. Just, just push a little on this door. It'll swing wide open for you. Jesus says, I am the door. Come into the sheepfold. Jesus and his never-failing love toward us is demonstrated through the sacrifice that he made for us and our sin on the cross at Calvary and then and then breaking the power of sin breaking the power of satan he triumphed over death through his resurrection he is the door come to him come to him be thankful Be joyful. Come into his presence with singing this morning. We have every reason. And Psalm 100 has just given us a few of them. Read the rest of the Psalms. Read the rest of the Bible. It's all reasons, 10,000 of them, to sing his praises. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us, for adopting us, for forgiving us, for reconciling us all through your son, Jesus Christ. We come to you in his name and we pray. Father, stir our hearts, stir our hearts to love you more. Stir our hearts to be more thankful, to recognize that the evidences of your grace all over our lives continually and to know that you are are good. your goodness itself. You're the definition of good. And that we can trust you and go to you and know you and worship you. Give us that kind of heart, we pray, in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca.